thank you, Abba Father. We thank you, the Lord, our shepherd. We thank you, our provider, our comforter, our King of kings and our Lord of lords. We thank you, Lord, that you are the defender. You're our righteousness. You are the great I am. And Lord, tonight, we thank you that you are our friend. Father God, be present with us tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please do sit down. And we're going to continue as we are going through the Old Testament story. We've got quite a lot of reading tonight, and Carmen's going to come and read the first part, starting at Genesis 21, verse 1. Probably easiest if you use that microphone there. Is that all right? Yes, please. Good evening, church, and good evening to those watching online. Um, Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Through it all, through it all, I have learned to trust in Jesus. I have learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I have learned to depend upon his word. I have learned to depend upon his word. I pray that God has prepared our hearts to receive his word tonight. The first reading is taken from Genesis chapter 21, reading from verses 1 to 6. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the, to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. The next reading is from Genesis 25, reading from verses 19 to 26, Jacob and Esau. This is the account of the family line of Abraham's son, Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Paddan Aram, and sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. 
The babies jostled each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from you, from within you will be separated. One people will be the stronger than the other and the elder will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out and with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old and Rebekah gave birth to them. This is God's word to us. Amen. Thank you, Carmen. We're continuing the Old Testament story. Those who've been coming this this year has continued to know that we've started in Genesis and we're going to get to Malachi by the end of the year. And in March, as March draws to a close, we're getting near to the end of Genesis. But Genesis sets the scene for the Old Testament. A few weeks ago, we saw that Abraham was given a promise by God that he was going to be a big nation. He was going to be the father of many nations. And, uh, you know, we, we, we remember Abraham being that person who was obedient and just went and did what God said. And God told him, and God was faithful to his answers, to answer what he had said. God wasn't playing with Abraham. God had a purpose for Abraham. But you see, actually seeing God's plans come to fulfillment was beyond the human understanding. And in the reading that we had, the first reading from chapter 21 in the first six verses, the birth of Isaac. Abraham's a hundred. Hundred years old. And God was going to give him a son. Have you been waiting a long time for God to do something that he has promised? And you've been waiting. Sometimes it's easy to get impatient with God, isn't it? We want to just see God move and we're impatient. But today seems to be a day, and I hadn't connected the morning service with the evening service at Jandon, of people wanting babies. Now, I'm not predicting that that's what the desires are here in this room tonight. Um, you know, I might be wrong on that, but I'm not sure that many of us want the babies at our grand old ages with apologies to Hayley, who's a lot younger than the rest of us. <laughs> but they come. they come when they come, don't they? But what we do have is a God who is faithful to his promises. 
Now, often we make our desires and turn them into, well, that's obviously God's promise. No, that's not the same thing, our desires and God's promises. Sometimes we don't get what we desire. And I think if you had a word with Abraham, you know one of those questions, if I could speak to anyone in the room right now, who would I like to speak to? We might say, well, let's bring Abraham here and have a conversation with Abraham. Now, Abraham, were you excited when God said, leave everything and go and travel like a nomad? I think Abraham might have said, well, actually, I probably could have done with a rest at that time. I was getting on in years when God called me. You see, God's promises are not necessarily for our happiness. They're for his purposes. That's difficult to comprehend, isn't it? Because often we build a theology around, I want to be happy, so God bless me. rather than, I want to serve God's purposes. Lord, what would you have me do? This is not such a comfortable Christianity now, is it? It's not quite the comfort we want about following Jesus. But for Abraham and Sarah, this was a costliness. but seeking to be faithful to God. Of course, we see if we, uh, if we look back, you know, in the story, which we, because we're, we're doing 66 books in 38 sessions, we can't do all the detail, but you, you know the story how Sarah felt, well, I can't serve God. God can't use you me. I tell you what, Abraham, I've got an idea to bring God's will into place. You go and sleep with Hagar. As if God had needed our help to work out how he was going to do his things. And of course, you know, that became a bit of a disaster. Ishmael was born, but it was not God's plan. And we have that temptation, don't we, of running ahead of God. The temptation to try, yes, Lord, I know what you want. I'm now going to make it happen. And sometimes we have to wait. But waiting can be one of the most difficult things. Waiting can be incredibly difficult. In the promise of Genesis 12 to Abraham, there was so much promise to Abraham. He's not going to see most of this. Abraham's not going to see most of what's been promised to him. God promised that he would be the father of many nations. Well, he's not going to see that. God promised that through him, the redemption of the world. He's not going to see that. And sometimes it's very difficult, isn't it, when we want everything in our lives. We want to see everything. 
But Abraham was a place, a, a person within God's bigger plan. And maybe you're God's person in a bigger plan. And sometimes we need to trust God to do his bit. Yesterday I had the joy of going to Birmingham to do some training as a trainer <coughs> so that I could deliver safeguarding training. You'll be very pleased about that. I'm very pleased about it and, you know, great. As we were talking, one thing struck me with safeguarding training. You see something, you'll hear more about safeguarding training at some point, but you see something you report it, and then you've got to let go. Often we want to know what happened with everything, don't we? When I report that, what happened? It's not your responsibility. Let go. Let those who have the responsibility to do the next bit take it. And in this story, in the Bible story, I see exactly the same happening. We are called to be faithful with what God has given us. And then to let go. There's a temptation when we speak to somebody or help somebody that we want to somehow push them along on their Christian journey or push them into church or push them to do something or push the church to do something. When actually God's saying, let go and trust me. In my time, says God, I will do it. And Sarah, when she thought it was hopeless, became pregnant. Of course, we have Isaac born, laughter, because people will laugh. Well, I should imagine, had it happened today, the tabloid newspapers would have been round very quickly lady in her hundreds or late 90s, 100 year old had a baby. Scandal. Exclusive inside story and all that. God had his plan and his way of doing it in his time. Sometimes we've got to trust God with the bigger plan. And then the second reading, jumping across a few parts of the story to Genesis chapter 25. And starting to read at verse 19, as Carmen did, Jacob in Esau, Isaac, do you see the familiarity of the story here? Rebecca hadn't yet had children. Now, in the Old Testament times, this was a matter of great shame. But I love the relationship with God. There is a, there is a living faith here, isn't it? 
because Abraham became, Isaac was 40 years old when Rebecca, he married Rebecca, and sister Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer. Now you, you could say, well, that's instant. Notice, Isaac was 40 when he married her, but he was 60 when the babies were born. I think there's getting a bit of a history in this family of late births. And Rebecca, feeling odd within her pregnancy, spoke to the Lord and God gave her a prophecy, a vision, whatever you might want to call it, about what was happening within her side, her two nations. Already, God had a purpose for these two lives that he was going to use Jacob and Esau. Because Jacob was going to be the father of a character we'll look at in a couple of weeks' time in Joseph. You could write a musical about this, couldn't you? Oh, Andrew Lloyd Webber got there before us. The Old Testament story is one that holds together. And even now, the foundations of redemption, of forgiveness, of hope for a world are being planned and the architect is pulling them together. One thing about an architect is they often have the finished vision. Have you ever gone in and looked at a building part built? And you go in, you look around, and you're trying to work out, well, what's there, and what's going to go there, and what's going to go there, and oh, has anybody got a copy of the plans that I can look at? Oh, no, no plans. But you know one person who knows what's going to happen is the architect. Well, the kitchen's going to go there, and that, that's going to be one of the bedrooms. And they can tell you exactly, they're in their mind. In their design is the vision for what will be. And often we can't grasp that vision as we see it in parts. I remember when we were in Mexborough in South Yorkshire and we had just planted a church in a pub, but we outgrew the pub, so we got a temporary building, then we got outgrew the temporary building, so we're building this permanent building. And the architects were there, and that we went in, we sort of thought, well, this is never going to be big enough. And you look around and you start to think about all the things, but the architect knew what he was doing. But I couldn't see it. I'd seen the plans. I'd been part of the designing of the plans. And so, well, should we put this there and that there? You know, we'd done that. But the finished result was not one that I could see until the day it had been finished and I could go in and say, wow. We parachute ourselves 
the birth of Isaac, to the birth of Jacob and Esau, we're probably saying, what's going on here? Because we can't see the long term. As we come into Romford Baptist Church tonight and we say, well, God's doing something, but what's he doing here? Well, we don't know what effect's going to be happening from what's happening tonight in 20 years' time or what happened this morning in 30 years' time. We don't know what's happening in 2023 is going to affect the lives of many going forward. Who's coming to faith now who may be the next great evangelist or the next great witness or going to church plant in Iran or whatever? We do not know. We're just called to be faithful. We're called to be faithful. Because from this story, eventually comes this story. We don't know what's going to come from this story. But we do know a God who knows the end. He's called the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And in a moment, we're going to break bread together. Because we're going to celebrate this story. Christ, who forgives us, who has died for us, who loves us, Amen. and who wants to be the Lord of our lives, that he can use us for his glory. And the reading is Genesis 28, verses 10 to 15. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, all the people on earth, be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back from this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And the next reading is Genesis 35, verses 23 to 26. Jacob had 12 sons, the sons of Leah, Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. 
the sons of Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Rachel's maidservants, Dan and Naphtali. The sons of Elias, maidservants, Zilpah, Gad and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob, who were born to him in Padam Aram. It's the word of the Lord. You'll be really pleased to know that I'm not going to start going through these whole stories again, other than say, God is still at work. God is still fulfilling his promises to Abraham. And to me, the key verse that was just read there is a verse that we can take with us at the end of this week into the new week, where in verse 15 of chapter 28, it says, I am with you. And I will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. God's faithful. He will not leave us. Do you believe that? really believe that God's faithfulness I just reminded I've said this before of a lady I saw a book out about her out there on the bookstore this morning a lady called Dr. Helen Rosevear if you've got if you just want to look at her story it's an amazing story missionary to the Congo and that and after she'd been beaten up and attacked and kidnapped again she was in the captain's van and she was praying. She was saying, Lord, why? Have you ever asked that question of God? God, why? I think we've all asked, asked that at different times. When we see something horrendous on the news, we say, oh God, why? When something awful happens to us, oh God, why? And she prayed that prayer, Lord, Why? Why, when you've called me, am I suffering so much? Am I being beaten up? Am I being attacked and raped and all these sorts of things that was happening to her? And she heard God's voice say, will you trust me? Even though you may never know why. Will you trust God tonight? Totally. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Lord, we do trust you, but we're human. Lord, we sympathize with Abraham who tried to make it sorted out his way. Yet you proved to be the greater God. Lord, remind us that you are in control. We need to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.